Hey, everybody, this is Chuck Everson from Villanova University, and welcome to the Big East Rewind. The Big East Rewind came about when Sonny Sparrow and I from Syracuse University were on a recruiting trip and became friends, and we've been friends ever since. And we had a bond that has developed over playing in the very tough Big East Conference. The Big East Rewind is all about Big East basketball, old school style with the battles and stories that came about during our time playing in the Big East. From the perspective of the media, coaches, former players, and even officials. So we hope you enjoy the Big East Rewind. Welcome to the Big East Rewind podcast. And our guest today is another special one. We brought him back because his first trip with us was a tornado. It was a whirlwind. So we got to catch some more of that fever. John Fanta, his star is on the rise. He went from doing just a little bit of digital network media for the Big East, which he continues to do, to now he's going to be a voice on Fox FS1 Sports Calling Games. You don't want to miss this. And by the way, if you're ever going to get engaged, you got to hear John's story. Sit tight, listen up, enjoy. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to this edition of the Big East Rewind. I'm Chuck Everson, your seven-foot host, and my partner, as always, the good doctor, the sensational Sonny Sparrow, ladies and gentlemen, DDS, Sonny Sparrow. How are you? I'm good. Now, this guest, I'm sure, is going to remember Root Canal Royalty. because Well, that's, well I'm glad you said that. I, I, believe, I believe he coined the phrase, if I'm not mistaken. I, I, yeah, I'm glad you said that. But before we get into that, I want to talk about Root Canal Royalty for a second. Because, you know, we kid around and we joke a lot, Sonny, on this show. And everybody that knows us knows that we've been, you know, friends since your first year at Syracuse. Correct? Yeah. Yep. Okay. So I have to say this because... This has gone on for years and, you know, you know, this show, so you guys know, is not scripted in any way, shape or form. So Sonny has absolutely no idea what I'm going to say right now. Zero. <laughs> because we don't talk before the show starts. We leave it, we leave it so that it's organic for the listening audience. Okay. So that all said, I have to congratulate Sonny on another fantastic year at Progressive Dental, what they do for their doctors with a heart day is phenomenal, phenomenal to you, Sonny's word, actually phenomenal. You know, they do free dental work for those in need and they do it every year for how many years you've been doing that son. So 27th year this year, 27 years. And, you know, they open the doors to, uh, you know, there's five practice, five offices in the greater Binghamton area. Right. And, you know, open the doors and, you know, there are people lined up at two 30 in the morning to get in there for eight o'clock when everything starts and the good doctor here and his staff do a fantastic job. And, you know, he's, uh, you know, the pillar, you know, and I'm not even kidding around. He's the pillar of the community. Everybody loves him. And, you know, Sonny, I'm just want to say, I'm very proud to be your friend, pal. I mean, it was, that's a fantastic thing you do. How much money have you raised? Would you, have you given away, would you say in the last 27 years doing that? 1.3 million. Wow. There you go. That, enough said. There you go. I mean, nobody does that. So, you know, hats off to you, Sonny. And uh, I think that's fantastic. You know, so I wanted to get that out there because some people know we kid around. We kid around. And some people know that you're really a dentist in, in real life. You're the, the Cavities Cape Crusader. We all know that, you know, and uh, and Root Canal Royalty, as we've coined the phrase. 
But um, and so I just wanted to make sure everybody knew uh, what it's. Well, thank you very much. There's a lot of hands make light work, so I'm I'm just one part of, of many. So and that's really cool. All right, Thanks, so man. today, Sonny, we have a good friend of the show. He's back for round two on the Big East Rewind. He's been on here before, but um, he's had a big year, Sonny. This guy. Well, Chuck, Indeed. let's let's be honest, right? He was a guest on our show. That's right. Kind, kind of in obscurity, right? He coincidentally Until, took off like a rocket. Sonny. And then and then the tornado went wild. There we go. Went we wild. just unleashed it, baby. That's it. The guy, next thing you know, you know, he's Mr. Big East, as everybody knows, but now he's Mr. Fox Sports as well. It's right. you know, he's calling game is on rising. Fox Sports. He's got a new gig, new responsibilities. He moved. You yep. know, he moved, yeah. he and above all, <laughs> he gets it. engaged. He's a lady. John is off, off the, market. the market, ladies and gentlemen. Off the market. He's engaged to the lovely and beautiful Victoria. And here he is, our buddy, our pal. He's everything Big East. He's the most passionate and enthusiastic guy I've ever met when it comes to loving what he does. Yep. Great John Fanta. How are you, John? Chuck and Sonny, it is great to be with both of you. Root Canal royalty just <laughs> makes me feel more important the moment that I step into a Zoom room. I can only imagine what, what it would be in person. And Chuck Everson has more hardware and memorabilia and basketballs that he's been associated with than anybody that I get to do an interview with. So it's great to be with both of you on the Big East Rewind. And I got to tell you, I have to credit this show because little did I know that it would set the tone for what has been nothing short of a, of a remarkable year. As you guys both know, in your life journey, you don't predict at 26 years of age what's going to happen. Like people will say, what's your five-year plan? I don't know what I'm doing in five minutes, you know, nor alone what I'm doing in five days or five years. Uh, but I can credit the Big East Rewind for moving my life ahead. We there lit the go. match. That's, that's the gift that keeps on giving, Sonny. You <laughs> see that? That's that's right where we want to be. So, John, so let, before we get this into the basketball stuff, tell us, you know, how did everything go down for you this summer? I mean, it, literally, we were kidding around at the beginning of the yeah. show. I mean, did we, that was a huge summer, man, for you. You, yeah. gotta, you know, you came on, you got the extra gig now at Fox. You're calling games, you know, you're, you know. You got engaged. Talk about that for a minute, man. You know, yeah. talk about the engagement first, John. I mean, let me ask you something. How was that? I mean, you know, did you have this all planned out? I've seen some <laughs> of the pictures. You know, you got down on one knee. You did it yeah. the right way. I have yeah. to say. You did. You know, I was very yeah. impressed. Well, I appreciate that. And honestly, it's the least that I could do for my fiance, Victoria, who is a star registered dental hygienist in the Boudin, New Jersey area. So I, I, there's something about teeth. There's something about teeth. <laughs> and with Vicky, she's amazing, amazing with teeth and has a great passion for dental hygiene. So we had talked about, I, I think we had a little, a little bit to, to her on our last interview, but if we didn't, I got to meet her. I met her totally out in the blue, not, a, not an online date, not a random thing. I met her at a, at a Christmas tree farm. I, I was going to ask you this question. How did I you met her? Here? I met no. her at a Christmas tree farm. That's, that's, a, that's a pickup joint. Of course. Hallmark, Hallmark movie during the pandemic. Nonetheless, 
Remember, during the pandemic, <laughs> if you got to do any activity, you would look forward to it. Yeah. Well, my neighbors were looking for a Christmas tree, and they asked me if I wanted to tag along. So I go to the Christmas tree farm with them, and Victoria is a friend of one of the members of the neighbor's family, and we start, I'm talking with my neighbors who are looking for their Christmas tree. I'm helping them lift the tree. I'm in my pajamas on a Saturday morning, and all I say to, to her mutual friend, our mutual friend is, hey, uh, she's cute. Is she single? A date was set up in five minutes. I mean, totally out of the blue between two ferns at a Christmas tree farm. I meet now someone who's going to be my wife. Uh, it's straight out of a fairy tale, but, but the engagement. So you, I can't get engaged during the season. Uh, there's just too many things that were happening. And, and I wanted to make it really special. I went and got the ring in, let's see, late April, early May, I got the ring, okay? And I said to myself, I cannot hang on to this ring. I will lose it. I, there's no shot in hell that I'm going to be able to keep this ring under wraps. And I'm so nervous. They say that you burn a hole in your pocket. You really do. You know, I, I, I came out of the I came out of the Diamond District in New York City. I had shorts on. I got this ring in my pocket. I went and got a slice at Penn Station. I got this, you know, this ring from the Diamond District. And I'm eating a slice of pizza and I'm checking my pockets as I'm sitting at the tables <laughs> thinking somebody's going to take this ring for me. Somebody is going to take it. Somehow I kept it. I took NJ Transit back to Budin. I hid the ring. I knew I was about to go out of town. Okay. Yeah. I, I called her parents. I said, can you come on over? She was still at work. I asked him the question. She gets off work early during my meeting with her parents. She's calling me. She's calling her parents. She's got the find my friends on her iPhone. Somehow we didn't answer. I got the question in. They said, yes, you know, we're all for it. So I did the, I did what you're supposed to do. I asked her parents and I lined up. I was looking at the schedule guys. And I said, you know what? Here's the deal. Either I hang on to the ring and I proposed to her in the middle of the summer. But why do that? Yeah, yeah, why don't we enjoy the summer as an engaged couple? So I said, I'm going to do it on May 18th. And I got down on one knee in a, in a, I actually told her that we had a dinner with Ed Cooley. I said that, I said that Ed Cooley, Ed is recruiting in New Jersey. And she had befriended Ed's wife during the season at a game. I said, Ed and his wife want to take us to dinner. He's recruiting in New Jersey. They want to take us to dinner. But we've got to meet them somewhere for this interview first because uh, I'm going to interview Ed. We're going to do a walk and talk. And, uh, you know, his wife's from around this area. None of it's true, but she didn't know any better. Right. So I said, we're going to go down to Budin, this, this park, Grace Lord Park in Budin, New Jersey. So she's, she's talking to me in the gazebo. Sorry, I'm giving you a long answer, but you're getting the full description. She's talking. <laughs> she is talking to me. She's talking to me in the gazebo. I act like I'm taking a phone call. I turn around. She's on the edge of the gazebo. I'm talking with Ed, telling them where to go. I hang up and she goes, honey, come over here and look at this. I took my prom pictures here and I made an inscription or something. I'm hearing her say this and I'm just down on one knee and she swivels around. And that's when she saw wow. me where I was. And the photographer came out of the woods he was right on cue. He was ready to go. And the rest is wow. history. We're engaged.
Who knew you were a romantic like yeah, that? Yeah, you're a oh, hopeless yeah. romantic. I'm impressed, man. man. That's awesome. Well, set the bar pretty high. Thank you, congratulations from Sonny and I. We I wanted to ask about that before we get rolling into. I got to share one thing that that we have a lot in common now besides teeth. Okay, I bought my 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 now wife's same thing in the Diamond District. I was planning to get engaged at my graduation in college. It was in my pocket. I then bought a little tiny purse. I stuck it in this little purse, and I said, and I'd already talked to my in laws. I already talked to my father in law. I got his blessings and everything. So. I said, let's go to Dairy Queen. So we walked to Dairy Queen. I proposed a Dairy Queen. Over, done with. Thank God. So that thing That's did burn a hole. It. it did wow. burn a hole in my pocket. I well, know exactly what you mean. I was out of town the week before I did it. <laughs> and she was suspecting that something might be up because I had been in the city recently. She cleaned out my dresser while I go. was out of town. The ring was with her parents oh okay smart you're smart see i'm not that smart i would have been yeah. busted oh yeah I, I, I pulled I a little i pulled a little two three zone with a one point lead <laughs> 10 seconds to go you in did. the game you did you went to the you matchup know, yes, what we call one. what we call defensive junk i threw some junk in yeah, and uh and it one. totally it totally threw her off there you go wow. so that's wow. the that's the engagement story well, there, there you go. That's awesome. You know, now fill us in on the career stuff because it's been like one thing after another. It's been fascinating. Well, and thank you. Thank you. It's very humbling. Um, as for the career stuff, you guys know this because when we talked the first time around, we talked at length about this. Yeah. I believe in versatility. I think you got to be willing to do a little bit of everything. That's how I really started my career for the Big East Digital Network. I said, digital, I can yeah. host a studio show. Yeah. I can call a game. Wherever you need me, whatever you need me to do, I'm there. So for me, some people have said to me, well, you're just supposed to call games or you're just supposed to write or you're just supposed to, to do studio stuff. You guys know it. A lot of play-by-play -play guys don't also write for a website. Um, but for me, I don't look at it that way. Like, why not? Why not try both? Because at the end of the day, it's only going to help me be ready when I broadcast a game. It's only going to help my prep. Yeah, there's so many hours in the day and juggling's juggling, but I love this. It's my passion. And I've got a supportive family and a supportive fiance and supportive friends that I want to keep on doing this. And so Villanova is sitting in the elite eight. Okay. And they beat Houston and the game has wrapped up and I get a text from somebody at Fox. And isn't it amazing guys, you, you could go on any job board. You could go on any board. You could look at this, that, whatever, and say, Oh, this position's open. I get a text from one of my bosses on the TV side and the text reads, Hey, Fox is looking for a college basketball reporter to contribute to their website and their digital platforms. Do you know anybody? So I'm sitting there at home and I'm thinking, well, I do know some good people. Like I, I genuinely know some really good people who report on college basketball who would be great for this. And then I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, well, I'm about to buy an engagement ring and the bank account's going to reflect it. And, you know, maybe, uh, but, but, but besides the fact, I'm always trying to get more involved with Fox so could this be an opening to get more involved with Fox? Could this be an opening to grow with them? 
I'm always trying to get more involved in the college basketball media space. And you guys know it. I put a lot up on my social. Yeah. I put a lot up on Field of 68, but this is Fox Sports. So I said to him, I go, I'm interested. And it took about two months for us to, to get it done uh, just by virtue of everything takes time. But we came to an agreement for me to report on college basketball for FoxSports.com, do features, do some on-camera appearances, do commentary on college basketball, and do columns and, and Q&As with players and coaches. And I want to try to bring a different side of the sport that other people don't necessarily see. So that's how that opportunity came about. And I'm really grateful, guys, because I didn't have to leave my job with the Big East Digital Network hosting Shoot Around, a show that I've really enjoyed kind of being the the father of from the start, if you will, that that show was born in 2017. And I've really enjoyed growing that show. I didn't have to leave field of 68. I didn't have to leave uh, the big East. I didn't have to leave my TV perch uh, with FS one doing games. That's always my first priority. I want to do the games on FS one and, and do those college basketball games. So I have really understanding bosses, bosses who are understanding that I've got a couple of different things going on. Uh, I'm really grateful for that because it wouldn't be possible without them but I'm really excited to take on a different role with Fox and continue to grow with them in their college basketball coverage. It's truly a joy. And it's something that I don't take lightly. I'm very humble over it because um, it means a lot for people when they believe in you and are willing to accept the fact that you want to wear different caps and cover different things. Let me ask you a question. You get, uh, so you were at Fox. All of a sudden, NCAA rolls around. Fox is not part of it. It's a different one. ESPN or right. TBS come say, hey, John, can you do some games here with us? Do you have exclusive, uh, you know? Good question, Sonny. That's a, that's a great question. A lot of people don't understand. I am not exclusive to one network. Um, I haven't reached that point. And to be candidly honest with you, I'm okay with it. Like, there's a couple of sides to being what we call a freelancer in the industry where you're, you're going around, you want to be able to develop enough work. So then you're able to kind of make up for that being what your role is. I've been okay with that because frankly, I've had enough people that have become interested and and I I've been able to grow. And guys, if I just worked for a network, one network, and they made me exclusive, I wouldn't be allowed to do podcast appearances. Um, or, or, or if I did, you'd have to go through someone for approval. It would be a runaround. And I could only work for that network on the games that they want me on. I could only work the 40 events that they have me on per year. What am I doing the other 320 some odd days on the calendar year? There are some guys in the industry who are okay with that. They do college football. They do a fair amount of college basketball. They do some spring sports and that's their year. I personally don't just want to be the work 40 games in the year and you collect your check and that's it. I, I like to try different things. So I'm not exclusive, but I'm enjoying the heck out of not being exclusive because it allows me to really sort of row my own boat. And I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah. That would stifle you, man. You, you can't be contained. You'd be like tied down. You can't be, that can't be you. Yeah. It's not who I am. It's You're not free who I am. Spirit, man. You're a Mustang. I'm not going to reveal, I'm not going to reveal the network, but, but I did get approached over the off season by a network Yeah, and they they were willing to have me do about, you know, 35, 40 games a year. Well, the conference that I would be covering was a, was a mid-major league. Um, And then I would do some like college baseball and softball, maybe some soccer. And 
maybe get a football look. I was like, I I don't, I'm doing big East games on FS one, yeah. like games that are yeah, getting I, a couple hundred thousand viewers. Why am I, why am I leaving just to be exclusive with a company? And, and I understand there's, there's healthcare, there's benefits or all that, but, but we could talk through the logistics of that. That's, that's a life being a freelancer is different. It has some things that you have to figure out, but my advice to anybody that's in that category, and I hope there's someone out there listening to this that might be looking for advice. My advice is just keep on saying yes, because eventually you're going to get rewarded if you work hard, put your head down, and people understand who you are as a human being. So for me, I've been very grateful to have to have people give me opportunities and people that give me chances they know when they put me on the game, they don't have to worry about what's going to happen. And I, I'm really appreciative of that. I always say, what would somebody say about me if they walked out of a room? And you want to make sure that that's a good thing. And that it's always going to be a good thing. That's the Jay Billis theory, by the way. Never say that's no right. to a basketball opportunity. That's exactly what Jay's philosophy was, too. Never say no. Nope, never okay. say no. So let's start big picture, John, and then we'll work down and we'll narrow it down into the big yeah. east stuff okay yep. so yep. so this year looks like it's going to be another great season of college basketball yep you, you know who who are who what make what teams make up your top five let's start with that well i'm actually going to start a little bit bolder as opposed to the traditionalist here okay and i'm going to say oh, and, no. and i don't i don't think it's that much bolder but i'm going to say we should be thinking about houston as potentially the best team in college basketball. Marcus Sasser will be an All-American. They've got Jamal Sheed back. They've got Traymond Mark back. They've got a really loaded cast of characters on that team that are returning. And Kelvin Sampson has done an exceptional job at getting guys that fit his identity, that fit his program. So for me... Uh, Houston is in a position where they're as tough of a team in college basketball as any. Now they've got Sasser, they've got Sheed, they've got their backcourt back. They've got some good frontcourt play. Uh, I think that they're very much in position to make a deep, deep run in the NCAA tournament. I love that team, and I think that they're right there. I think Gonzaga with Drew Timmy. I think it's going to be very interesting to see if Nolan Hickman can take on an increased role in the backcourt and deliver. But you look at Julian Strother, you look at Rasir Bolden, you look at what they did in the transfer portal. Efton Reed from LSU was a great pickup. And Malachi Smith, another one. So Gonzaga, for me, is balanced. They're, they're going to be right there yet again. Then I go, that's two. Then I go well, with let me North Let me just say this, John. Stay on Gonzaga for a second. Go ahead. You know, I know you spoke with Drew Timmy. You did a, a story, right? So he's going to make more money on the NIL this year than he would do if he would have signed a pro contract. Is that right? That's right. That's that's, that's amazing. Right. That's what he told me. I think he's going to make seven figures this year by staying in college. That's amazing. That's unbelievable. And I think some of those teams, like out where Gonzaga is, there aren't any pro teams out there. I think that's part of the reason, right? I mean, absolutely. They've got the right atmosphere. They've got basketballs first. That's that shouldn't be taken lightly in the Big East either. I mean, if you're at a Big yeah. East school and you stay around and you can have some brandability, I just made up a word, but I think it's a, it's a word that. Th- yeah, so but you got major markets there, John. I mean, you come in New York. The guys from St. John's aren't making a million dollars. I mean, you got you got. Eight yeah, they're they're battling. Teams. 
Yeah, but like, but like Chuck, I'm saying, I'm looking at it from a lens of like Creighton. I think, yeah. of, I think of Providence. I know that people say Boston, but here's the thing: Providence is the pro team in that in that neighborhood. They just You're right. So I I even look at it from a perspective of like a Xavier. Plus Providence having some success too. And that always having some success. I think UConn, UConn, there's UConn is a big one. Yeah. There's real NIL opportunities at UConn. I mean, look, Baylor Shireman at Creighton is getting paid at least $500,000 to play there this season. Wow. I mean, whether you want to hear it or not, I know folks are like, Oh my gosh, they're paying. (laughs) Look. And for the people who are like, well, wait a minute. Uh, the school's not supposed to pay the player, folks. I mean, it, the school's not doing it under their – I'm not trying to, like, you know, be, I'm, come on this podcast and criticize. But you all know what's going on. And if you don't, your your head is up your you-know-what. This is happening. Players are getting paid. It's all on the table. It's a free market. And if Drew Timmy could make seven figures, wouldn't you let your kid make that much if he's that profitable? Have Tell him to give a percentage back to mom and dad for having you. Right, <laughs> you know, or maybe you pay for dinner once in a while. You handle pizza. There you go. So, I, so you were you were at number three. I was at number three. Number three, I'll, I'll still go North Carolina. However, I'm not buying them to the same level that everybody's buying them. I think it's really hard to duplicate a season and to duplicate a run. I think UCLA learned that last oh, year yeah. in the NCAA tournament. I don't know about Carolina. Last year they were the hunter. They were in that role. In the NCAA tournament, they could pull off the upset over Baylor. They could keep it rolling throughout the, the tournament. They beat UCLA. North Carolina's preseason number three. They deserve it, but I'm still uncertain. Kentucky well, you, for – You know ahead. what, John? I mean, there's more to it, you know, to your point. There's more to it about getting into a run. I mean, you got to have the ball bounce your way. you got to stay healthy, as we found you out. stay healthy, yeah. You know? You got yep. that's the main thing. You got to stay healthy, and the, you got to get breaks, and and luck plays a part of it. It plays you know? a huge part in it. It plays a huge. You know, part you got to get the right matchups in the tournament. You know. Yep, you, and you, know. you could be the fourth best team in the country, but you might lose in the first weekend of the NCAA tournament if you get the wrong matchup. Right, exactly. Yeah. So that's the thing. It makes March Madness the best event in sports, but also what people say sometimes is the worst. It's always the best. It's always the best, but it can be the worst in terms of not because it's the worst event, but because if you have one bad day, your season is over. That's, That's it. So, That's right. so the margin for error. That's the beauty of it, though. It's the beauty of yeah. it. You wouldn't want it any other way. And I hope it never changes. Because if they change March Madness, they're not going to do it. There's too many powers that be that support it staying the same way. Don't expand the field. 68 is appropriate. If anything, that's yeah. too much. But I like 68. So they're number three, right? Yeah. Number four, Kentucky. I think Kentucky could win the national championship. They remind me of Virginia after the 2018 loss to UMBC. You bring back the best player in the sport. People don't talk enough about Severe Wheeler. I mean, he had over six assists per game last year. And yeah. he scored He scored right around in double figures. Guys, he's accounting for like 33% of the team's points by his playmaking ability. And Sheepway's just a beast. I mean, he's a, he is a pro playing the college game. And he's going to make things. He won't, you know, he doesn't fit the typical pro in 2022, but it doesn't matter. I think Kentucky with, with Jacob Toppin and with Kaysom Wallace and Chris Livingston, they deserve to be number four. And then number five, I got to tell you guys, like I've been a little bit all over the place. I like a bounce back year for Baylor. I think Baylor 
could do what Villanova did in 2016 and 18. I think Baylor last year had the injury bug kill them, kill them. Yeah. People don't remember, they don't remember that Baylor's been as good of a program record-wise as as most of them here in the last three, four, five years. Uh, LJ Cryer, Adam Flagler back. They bring back a big in Flo Thamba. They got a great transfer from West Virginia, Jalen Bridges. So that team really loaded up. Keontae George is a highly touted recruit. I like Baylor in at number five. I think Baylor reestablishes themselves as the class of the Big 12, and I could see them going two out of three uh, for the national championship. I think they're going to be right there. Who are some of your dark horses, John? Yeah, it's a great question. I'll tell you what. When I look around the country, one dark horse is Dayton. Another is St. Louis, which goes back to the fact that the Atlantic 10 guys could send four teams to the NCAA tournament. This is where A-10 fans are looking at the Big East. They're looking at the American. They're looking at the Pac-12. And they're trying to say, hopefully they don't crush it in the non-con because we could get an extra team there. Remember, uh, Richmond beat Iowa last year in the NCAA tournament and really outplayed them. And Iowa might have had more on-paper talent. It didn't matter. St. Louis brings pretty much everybody back. Dayton brings back a, a wide majority of their core. They only lose two rotation guys. But St. Louis with Yuri Collins and Javon Pickett and Francis Okoro down low. You look at Dayton, they've got a, an interesting backcourt. Uh, another Malachi Smith, but Kobe Elvis, and then Deron Holmes at center. Dayton and St. Louis are two dark horses. But when I look elsewhere around the country, guys, I will go to the Big Ten briefly, and I'll take a look at Ohio State. I think they're a really, really, really young team. Uh, But they're a dark horse for me that by the time March rolls around, if they got the right draw, I could see them being like a 10 or an 11. They don't have the talent of a 10 or an 11 seed. They don't have the talent as a 10 or 11 seed. And then in the Big East, I think the dark horse is pretty obvious. Like, for me, the team that could win the conference is Xavier. Xavier could win the conference. Sean Miller, in his return season, is a real, real dark horse. The, the definition of dark horse is has a lot of meanings. Nationally, the program that could win a national title that people are not talking about enough, uh, Sonny and Chuck, is TCU. TCU is in for maybe they might be in for their best season in the history of the program. And you know why? Uh, Jamie Dixon's a damn good coach. He is. That's my guy. Absolutely. Yeah. I love Jamie. Yeah. Really good. Really good. What about a team like Arkansas, John? I mean, they, there's a lot of talk about these guys being good again this year and in the big East Creighton. Well, look, Creighton to me is six or seven in the country. I didn't put them in the top five. (laughs) Um, but they could be, there's not that much of a difference between five and seven or eight anyways. Yeah. Right. Um, here's the thing with Arkansas. They're just so young. There's so much new on that roster. They've got a top 10 roster in the sport, top 12 roster. Um, you know, I, I have yet to rank them in my preseason rankings for Fox. I could tell you I've gotten through number 12. Arkansas is going to be ranked in the preseason top 15 for Fox that I'm putting together. And here's why you bring in the top recruit in Nick Smith. You have another in Anthony black, Ricky council, the fourth 
and Trayvon Brazil were two really nice additions. They brought in a pair of brothers, the Mitchell brothers from Rhode Island, that both can perform. And Ricky Council from Wichita State was a really solid player in the American Athletic Conference. So for me, like, look, Arkansas has shown the last couple of years, Eric Musselman has done a great job with that program. I mean, they hadn't been to a, a Sweet 16 since the 90s. And what, yeah. they made back-to-back Elite Eights? Are you kidding? So I no longer even look at Arkansas as a dark horse. But when you're asking me, who do you think is going to be good? Man, I'd be surprised if Arkansas weren't great. And I will tell you guys, SEC as a basketball conference deserves a little bit more respect. They got to back it up in the tournament. This is a big year for Cal. Like Kentucky loses to St. Peter's last year. They didn't make the tournament the year before. They got to make some noise in March. I think they will. Arkansas can make noise. Rick Barnes has a solid core back down in Knoxville and, and uh, Santiago Viscovi will help charge that backcourt. Rick Barnes is going to have a good team. Nate Oates brings in a terrific recruiting class. Remember this name, Brandon Miller. I bet you we'll be talking about him at some point. Look at Texas A&M. They, they made to the NIT final. They bring virtually everybody back. Look at Florida. Todd Golden. I think Todd Golden's the coaching star. In fact, Chuck and Sonny, add Florida to my dark horses. They might start the year as like a top 40, top 45 team. They could end the year like a top 20 team. So it's a really stacked up year. One other team that needs to get some recognition nationally, San Diego State. Brian Dutcher brings pretty much everybody back. They've got star talent galore. They they were Ken Palm's second ranked defense last year in the country. And they got a kid named Matt Bradley that I think people are going to love to watch. He could become a household name this year. And Nathan Mensah is a great rim protector, reigning Mountain West Conference Defensive Player of the Year. So I'm all in on the Aztecs. I think they could win like 26, 27 games. That's how good I think they could be in a, a Mountain West that's getting better. The Mountain West Conference is a quality league, guys. And for people who don't catch it, a lot of times late nights on FS1, watch the Mountain West. You will come away impressed. Let me tell you, I think John needs to do a little more homework. I, I, I only heard like 40 names. I, I only heard like, I, you know, it's so I think hard. you got to do some more homework, man. I, I think you're missing the, the 15th guy on the, on the, on the San Diego state team. What's it's his name? So, it's so hard guys, because like you, you really got to study because you, there's not much of a difference between the 20th best team and the 40th best team. There's just not, it's, it becomes who's hot and who's not. So, I'm picking some teams like Ohio yeah. State. Chuck, I saw you give me a little look of like, really? Like, yeah, I, 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 I you know, I, one of those kids went to my high school and Zed Key on that yeah. team. I know him pretty well. And then yeah. he went, he wound up transferring out to a one of those schools that recruits kids kind of thing, you know? Yeah. So I, I, I know, I know that the first thought is, well, I don't know. I mean, they haven't been a great tournament team, but like, I, it might not be this year. We might come back to it next year. But to me, guys, here's one storyline that's not getting talked about enough. It's a rebuilding year in the Big Ten. You know, Jaden Ivey's gone from Purdue. Keegan Murray's gone from Iowa. Okay. Um, Johnny Davis has gone from Wisconsin. Those are three exceptionally talented players. So the Big Ten's still going to be a good league. 
Jaden Ivey's uh, going to light it up in Detroit. He's going to light it up in Detroit. Watch out for Illinois. Illinois brought in Terrence Shannon. They brought in Matthew Meyer. Brad Underwood had a nice offseason. But guys, maybe one of the most polarizing storylines heading into the season, the front runner in the Big Ten is Mike Woodson in Indiana. How about How that? Bad. Yeah, pretty good. You know what? How you know what's amazing? That? You you really didn't hit on a lot of the blue bloods till just now. You start talking about the Big Big Ten, right? You didn't hit on a lot of the you know the traditional powers. You know, you didn't talk about Duke. You didn't talk. Duke. You did talk North Carolina, but you you know there's certain teams that you almost always you just equate it to top twenty teams. You brought in you know you brought in Creighton. You talk about Jamie at uh, at TCU. You know, and and the, and these are real things. And Houston, Houston's your 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 number one team. It's yeah. It's hey, fabulous. Where's it's the final fabulous. four this year? Seattle? Houston. Houston. Oh, it's in Houston? Oh, is it? Could oh, you imagine? You know when it was last in Houston? I, well, don't you know? Yeah, I do. I know when yeah, it was yeah, last yeah. in Houston. There's, a couple, there's a couple things on the wall right over there. See that? <laughs> I know when it was last. I know when it was last. It was the, it's the greatest. <laughs> it's the greatest weekend. My, my favorite weekend ever. Ever. Ever, ever, ever. It was unbelievable. I will never forget that those two wins 2018 not to take anything away from it that team i think would probably beat 2016 maybe it might be oh, slim yeah. they would beat them 2016 was magical i mean i walked into the press room and nobody thought villanova would beat oklahoma the majority of the press room was like yeah you know healed is a great story and you know yeah. villanova doesn't they don't get on this stage much i mean i'm almost positive villanova was an underdog in that game and uh, on on paper from the odds makers yeah, and I, I think a lot of people felt because villanova got blown out in pearl harbor uh that that it would it would come to fruition again that loss to oklahoma was the best thing that ever happened to villanova agreed yep exactly yeah they blew them out holy christmas talk a little bit now let's go into the big east talk about the big east as it stands now what do you think? Now, I'm going to talk about right in front of my boy here. Talk a little bit about Villanova and what Kyle Neptune's got in front of him. Well, I, I think that Kyle Neptune is as fitting a replacement as you're going to find in the moment that they had to find a replacement. It's still a shock. It's still a shock. And anybody who says it isn't is lying to themselves. It is still going to take some time to get used to for all of us when Kyle Neptune is heading on the tunnel and Jay Wright's not heading out because of how sudden the news came down. Yeah. But, but for me, I think that there's a lot worse ways that the transition could have gone. And I think that this is the way that Jay and Patty and Mark Jackson would have wanted to, to go if it had to come to what it ended up coming to. And I think Jay, Jay Wright cares too much about Villanova basketball to not put it in the best chance to succeed. What I mean by that is having him around doing what they did and keeping the top tier recruits on their side. That's momentum. That's, that's good momentum. The fact that they lose Colin Gillespie and Jermaine Samuels certainly makes Kyle Neptune's job in year one. Very interesting because here you have this team with three dudes three guys that you can really count on in caleb brandon and eric uh, mm -hmm. in daniel slater and dixon but villanova is gonna have to rely some on cam whitmore and mark armstrong they're just oh. gonna have to because they could give them a dimension that they don't otherwise have so for me i think it's a hard job 
I think it's a hard replacement job, but I also think it's a job that Kyle Neptune can do. I'm a Kyle Neptune believer. I think Villanova, I don't understand people who are just suddenly writing off Villanova or who are saying that they could, that they could fall off. Let's watch what happens because the sign of a great culture, the sign of any great organization is seen every fall when Villanova's alumni base comes back for stuff like summer jam for stuff like alumni weekends. And the same can be said in the coaching ranks. Jay Wright made it a factory of winning and guess who one of the top factory workers has been Kyle Neptune, your best, your, your culture is reflected most when you walk out of the room, how does the factory continue to run and are the pieces of the puzzle in place? And for me, mm-hmm. while it's hard, while it's hard and the Big East is not an easy league, and I don't think Villanova is going to win the Big East this year because Creighton's just that good, Jay Wright or not. I think Creighton, I think Villanova is going to be A-OK, and I don't think there's any bigger factor in the Big East this season than when Justin Moore returns and how good Justin Moore is. Yeah, How about like George? You Stein? spoke to him, right? You spoke to him, John. I mean, he's he's looking at coming back in December. I, that I was kind of shocked to hear that. Yes. Yeah, so so here's my take on that. And and Chuck, I'm really glad you asked me that because there's a lot of people who have not asked me this question about what I thought of that. So first and foremost, let me let me be very candid. Villanova granted me the access to Justin Moore. They're trying to keep Justin Moore involved while he's not playing. I really appreciated that. They granted me the access to the sit-down. Justin knew that, that that question was going to come up. I'm doing my job. I have to ask him that question. I had said to him, Justin, uh, are you thinking January or February? He could have said yes and left it at that. And he could have been very open-ended. And he said, yeah. He goes, you know, it's, he goes, it's still up in the air. I said, yeah, but I, I go, what's the, what's the target? You know, is it, is the target sometime in January? And he said to me, point blank, John, I'm looking at the start of Big East play. Now, does that mean that he will come back and play 35 minutes in the no, Big East yeah. opener for Villanova? No, but people out there, he wasn't trying to say that. He, he's an athlete. And what does an athlete do? They try to set a target for themselves to achieve, to achieve a goal. That's what he's targeting. And I was very specific in saying, I, I did not report Justin Moore's returning here. I said, Justin Moore is targeting this date. This is what he told me. I don't right. know if that'll come true, but that's what he told me. I don't think he's going to be back for the Big East opener. He might not even be back until the 10th of January, but here's what I did learn. I learned, I don't think his first game's going to be in February. I think we will see him by that Villanova MLK day game against Georgetown. I don't know if he's going to be playing 12 minutes a game, but I have a hunch based on that conversation. It's going to be hard to keep Justin Moore off the floor. He wants to come back. He wants to prove himself. He wants to play at a high level so that he could say to an NBA scout, I worked my tail off. I recovered from an injury and I still served a role off an Achilles injury. And if that doesn't make me draftable, nothing will. That's his mindset. Yeah, and, it, and most of it now is all mental stuff, John. He's talking to guys like KD and people that had this injury to get through the mental part of it. You know, the strength Absolutely. conditioning part of it, I'm sure he's he's doing okay. He's doing better than okay. But 
the mental part of that is what's is what the killer is for a lot of these athletes, right? No, and and Villanova, yeah, absolutely. And for people who don't understand this, like Villanova has the best strength and conditioning in the country, and that's not tongue in cheek. That's not tongue in cheek. I mean, what Shaq and what others have done at Villanova has been really, really amazing. So I want to make that clear. Like, if you're going to get hurt with a program, Villanova is the one to do it with because they've got the right people in place. That That's one part of the Villanova organization that people do not talk about. Like, have you ever seen Villanova really, really, really tired? I. It's very no. rare. It's very rare. Yeah. You want to talk a little bit about our our buddy at Georgetown? Talk about that, because I know that they are in the midst of uh, rebuilding a little bit. Yeah, so it's funny. Um, I was asked today who my biggie surprise would be, okay? And uh, before I tell you about Georgetown, I was like, well, like St. John's isn't a surprise to me. I I think St. John's, I think Providence, I think Seton Hall. I think they'll all finish somewhere in the middle of the league, right? Yeah, they're supposed to be good. Yeah. They're they're supposed to be pretty good. So, okay, of the teams I have to pick a surprise from, what let's look at it here. Probably Marquette. I don't see it because they lost Justin Lewis. Don't bring much back. Uh, okay, Butler. Yes. Surprise candidate. Absolutely. We could talk a little bit about that, Mod. I think it's a very underrated story. Georgetown could be a surprise. Uh, and I actually said on the podcast that I think DePaul could be a surprise for a couple of reasons. I know that that might make some people think, John, what are you talking about? But Georgetown, they can't be any worse. Oh. And if and if you look oh. at what they did in the offseason, they had yeah. to overhaul the roster. But guess what? Right. They did. They did. They, I was going to say, yeah, they, they did an amazing job with their roster. Yeah. I, they had one of the best roster builds you're going to find in the conference over the offseason. Right. Yep. They had to make sweeping changes. and. Did he have to hire an, uh, an assistant coach to help them recruit? Yeah, he needed to upgrade his staff. Kevin Nickelberry was an instant, instant credibility addition. They made some great ads. Brandon Murray is going to be good for them. They brought in Primo Spears. They brought in Jay Heath. They got Kudus Wahab back from Maryland. He should have never left to begin with. So they can't be any worse. And they actually have on-paper talent that can compete with the middle of the pack teams in the Big East. Yeah. But, you know, it's a matter of keeping them there, John. I mean, he Patrick seems to lose three or four kids a year. Right. You know, you know, you I, know I think and the portal is so easy. If listen, Sonny could tell you, I could tell you, we, we played for two of the best screamers in, in the league. OK, in Massimino and Beheim. And there were days where I wanted to leave and go someplace else. I'm not going to lie to you, you know. But I didn't have – I wasn't going to wait a year, you know, and, and I knew the next day would get better, and I would talk to, you know, one of the assistant coaches or whoever, and I would get my head straight and go back into it and keep playing, <laughs> you know. But, you know, these kids, it's too easy to just go on the portal and and go someplace else, and it's not necessarily greener on the other side, you know. Oh, no, it's not. A.J. Reeves talked to me about that during the NCAA tournament. He's like, the grass isn't always greener. I, I stuck it out of Providence. Now we're in the Sweet 16 great story and and a great kid who stuck with it and took a lot of criticism from Providence fans. See, that's the thing too, guys, not only are you hearing it from your coaches, but in 2022, all you do is open up your direct messages on Twitter or you get a tweet and it's just like, it can ruin your day. It can ruin your day. 
Yeah, you know, yeah. Pro- so- Providence, Providence has a nice little formula going. I, I like what they've been doing. I like like Ed Cooley and what he's got and that attraction and the culture that they I mean, it's 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 a it's a not a whole it's a true true transformation. And they have a rich history too, Sonny. We yeah. talked about this with Bobby yeah, Gonzalez, you know. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it, they have a rich history. I didn't know the history of the program and Harold Stocks and his guys did a great job with Coach Cooley about bringing guys back. They had 150 former players back for a big uh, alumni right. weekend. Oh, and, they have great culture. And Ed has unified it. See, some right. head coaches don't there, there necessarily champion that. And there Ed has championed unifying the culture. As for Ewing, like what people do not necessarily understand is Patrick is not simply collecting a check. He wants to get this right. Yeah. Why? Why would he go over in the Big East and continue to do this job? Like, let's face it, and let's also face this. The main reason why he took the job was John Thompson telling right. him, you got to take this job. And John Thompson, sadly, I mean, we miss him. We miss John, but John is not around anymore. And and it could be easier for Patrick to say, I don't want to do this anymore. That's not what this is. That's not what this is. Patrick Ewing wants to get this turned around. Guys, he had to, had to do some things with the coaching staff. Because you know what, Chuck? When you wanted to transfer, when you said, I want to get out of here, more times than not, at some point, you probably didn't talk to the head coach. You probably talked to an assistant who talked you off the ledge and right. got you back on track. Right. You're only as good as your staff. So he brought in Kevin Nickelberry. He brought in Pat Baldwin Sr. That was a nice addition. He brought in some guys who are relationships guys. Patrick Ewing is a relationships guy. If, if, you, if he's one of your buddies and, and if you're one of his guys, he's extremely loyal. But with 18 to 22 year olds, an 18 year old who walks into a gym and says, I'm going to go in the NBA. And he's very real with them. And some kids don't take that the right way. You got to have the right people around you to, to maybe soften the blow or, or just work out a dynamic. Now they, I think they have some better people in that building. I think that, that they can turn a corner, but it's hard, right? If you're going to make a move in the big East, now you got to go up against the likes of Villanova, who still got great culture, Creighton, who, has just taken off. I mean, as much as the Big East has been great for Creighton, Creighton's been great for the Big East and can, yeah. can give the conference a legitimate Final Four threat. Xavier, Sean Miller's won over 70% of his games. You could talk about what he did uh, off the court or what he did monetarily with players, but guess what? He's a winner and has won at a high level. And Thad Mata, all he's done is gone to multiple Final Fours. My point is, anybody who wants to make a move up in this league, like you want to you know, surge along and go from ninth to fourth. You got to do a lot of work because there's a, there's good programs. You got to pass to get there. Providence is one of them. You know, Sonny Providence is going to defend. They're going to rebound and they're bringing in transfers that look at Providence as their destination. That now it's the same destination that Al Durham found a home. Justin Minaya found a home. Noah Horkler found a home. The, The transfer portal has given certain programs a real advantage. Who else can preach the come here for a second chance better than a guy like an Ed Cooley who's very nurturing and who gets it on the relationships front? Because all players want to do, Chuck, when you say players transfer, all players want 
is to be loved. They want to, yeah. they want to have an open set of arms that say you could be our star. Ed's really good at that aspect of the game and can make a real difference there. He's right, we got, we got, we got to talk about your boys at Seton Hall. We got to talk about Shaheen and that. Pirates, man. We got, we got to talk. Let's talk Seton Hall Pirates. Talk about programs and coaches and culture. Come on. Oh man. I, so I saw him work out a couple of weeks ago. I don't think I've seen a team work out harder in the month of September than what I saw that day. Not so shot. Not a shocker. Bodies to the deck yeah. all over the glass. He didn't care if a basket went in, he got mad at the defense. It didn't matter if you were on the scout team or first team. Look, the pirates are going hard in their roots. I mean, even tougher than Willard's teams. And it's nothing against Kevin. It's just, this is who Shaheen is. It's who he's always been. And it's why at St. Peter's, he shocked the world. Cause honestly, those teams took the level of toughness lightly and they lost because of it. Now, Nobody's going to take you lightly now. When they see your face on the sidelines, they're going to say, yeah, this guy means business. For Seton Hall this season, the biggest question is scoring. How are they going to score the ball effectively? Last year, Jared Roden did so many things for that team to make them tick. Uh You need Kadari Richmond to step up his game and be consistent. That's been a bit of a wave. You need guys like uh, Adre Davis from Louisville, Alamir Dawes from Clemson, Look for Tay Davis, Dre's little brother. Tay's a freshman to step up. For me, Seton Hall's going to defend. They'll rebound. Casey and Defo is going to fit right into the Big East. He's not just a great Mac player. He's a great everyday player. And Alexis Jetna and Tyree Samuel, quality front court pieces. I think the key question for Shaheen is, all right, I've got this point guard in Kadari. Can I get consistency out of him? And then do I have enough scoring on the wings to win on, on a day-to-day basis? I think Seton Hall's a solid team. What determines how good they end up being is just what they get on the offensive end of the floor and if they're efficient in doing so. Because last year, they could be real up and down. Remember, guys, Big East Tournament first-round game? Seton Hall played against Georgetown. Seton Hall literally was going several minutes without a bucket. They won the game. But the reason why they only won by a couple is they really had trouble scoring. You could guard Roden, and you could take Seton Hall out of what they wanted to do offensively. This year, they got to find a go-to guy. I don't know who that is as we head into the season. But I know this much, Shaheen Holloway will have each one of his guys use their five fouls. This is old school Big East, the way they're going to play. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. So, also, you didn't, you didn't mention the Huskies. Talk about that for a second. <laughs> you know, I know that I know you like those guys. Talk about the Huskies and where they're going this year. Well, I, I think actually Seton Hall and UConn remind me of each other, uh, just yeah. by virtue of the way that they go about things. I think UConn's a little bit more talented on paper, and UConn's got the best that that you'll find in a front court with just Adama Sonogo, I think, on his best days in all-American level talent. So here you have Sonogo. You have Andre Jackson, who's who could be a pro, and if he finds his offensive game, that's downright scary. You know, when when Jackson makes a perimeter shot, it feels like five or six points. And that's the thing with Connecticut. When Connecticut does anything from the perimeter under Hurley, they're going to beat you and they could beat you soundly for me, guys, there might not be a single X factor to a team in the league bigger than Jordan Hawkins as a sophomore at Connecticut. Everybody has given Hawkins the label of breakout guy, big leap, huge year. Well, you got, you, you guys know this, you could get that label, but you still got to live up to it. 
They went on the, 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 that's right. They went on the transfer portal. They brought in Tristan Newton, Naheem Aline, Hassan Diara. They made acquisitions that make them a better perimeter shooting team. The question is going to be, how does Hurley manage all these minutes? He's got a lot of pieces. And will they tighten up when it matters most? Or will they actually rise to the occasion and be a big game team? Let's face it. When it comes to facing the likes of Villanova and Creighton, UConn has gotten real tight and has not played to the level that they're capable of. And the (laughs) opponent has something to do with that. But I also think UConn's beat themselves at times with the mentality that they have. They got into the NCAA tournament last year. We are not talking about that game. Their season should not have ended in the first round. They were too talented with R.J. Cole and Tyrese Martin to lose to New Mexico State, and they did. So now Dan Hurley enters year five. The Huskies got to start to make some noise in March. It just can't happen in January and February. Yeah, I agree. So, John, we know your time is tight. You got to catch a flight. So I have last final question for you, okay? Anybody who knows you knows that you're a big, huge Cleveland sports fan. Yes. So talk about your former Indians. I'm not even sure what they're called now. The Guardians, Chuck. The Guardians. I Guardians, Commanders, you know, all of these uh, Indian names are going by the wayside. I got my John Adams bobblehead, the drummer at Progressive Field. (laughs) That's right. I've got my bobblehead. So talk about those guys, the Guardians, and, you know, and your Cleveland Browns. Got my rapper bobblehead, too. Um, (laughs) Take a good look at that, because that's the best bobblehead. That's that's great. Where'd you get that one? Seton Hall gave this out a couple years ago. Yeah, they did. Raft is, means the best. Love the suit, man. Love the suit. Yes, yes. So Cleveland Sports Report here on the Big East Rewind. The Browns are two and two. You are what your record says you are. They've played a very weak schedule to this point. They signed Deshaun Watson over the offseason. I hear about it on Twitter all the time. I hated that when they did it. I still don't like it. Uh, it was disturbing and disgusting. The reports and and not the, only did they that, sign him, they broke the bank for him. Ooh, they broke the bank for him. You know what that is? That's a franchise that says, "Hey, we got talent at every position except quarterback, so we're going to sell our souls for Deshaun Watson." Yeah. Yep. So we'll see how that works out in the long term. But the Browns are two and two. They'll hang around the AFC playoff picture. I don't think they're a playoff team. Chubb and Hunt are unbelievable. Nick Chubb is just incredible as a running back. He, he, if you, if you're not watching him play, I'm telling you, you're missing out. He is an old school back. He runs like it's the sixties with how hard. Imagine if he was on Buffalo. Sonny, I don't want to imagine that. Oh my God. I, offensive uh, running game. Oh. <laughs> hey, Sorry, hey, go ahead. Root canal royalty. <laughs> Don't don't make me want to have what a root you know, Sonny, root yeah, canal. Yeah. Oil. Don't oh don't God. make me want to have a root canal during a during a Browns Bills game. <laughs> um, baseball, the Guardians are the youngest team in the sport. They're younger than some AAA teams, and they are in the postseason. They're going to host a wild card series in Cleveland. Let me tell you guys this: you change the name, and we could talk about all that. But here's the thing. No name change of any organization or team is going to be met with huge, great reviews because people have trouble identifying who you are. Yeah, 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 exactly. They couldn't have asked for a better first season because look, 
when you change your name and then you lose, now people really don't know who you are. People yeah. are going to find out this weekend who the Cleveland Guardians are. They're a dangerous baseball team. And Terry Francona should be AL Manager of the Year. Youngest team in the sport, off the map. The Guardians got great news. Guys, I'm from Cleveland. It's a small market city. They, they have three sports teams. They live, breathe, sleep, die, the, the Cleveland sports teams. The Cleveland needs those teams to have a pulse as a city. It's why LeBron was their greatest, you know, importer of money. When he was in Cleveland, he, he brought in so much money. For me, the Guardians have, have been such a great story. And Terry Francona has been a godsend to that organization because what he's done with a roster that, that frankly is not particularly, it's not, there's not a bunch of heavy hitters. Their best news of the season came in the first week of the season. When Jose Ramirez announced he wanted to stay in Cleveland, and he would take a hometown discount to stay. Ramirez is a guy that could be an MVP candidate in his best season. And let me tell you something. For a guy in 2022 sports to take a hometown discount, that is unheard of in our current culture. So yeah. I give Ramirez a ton of credit because he set the tone of the season, and the Guardians are dangerous with Shane Bieber and Tristan McKenzie and the best bullpen in baseball. They could be an American League sleeper. They could see the Yankees next week. Yeah. I, I hear you. I hear you. And the Cavs. The Cavs got Donovan Mitchell. The Cavs are back to winning. They've got a great player in Darius Garland. Evan Mobley's a rim protector. My Cavaliers are back to being a winner. They are back. They, I, I agree They're with back. you. They're back. They They're are back. back. Well, John, thanks so much for joining us, especially I know you're traveling today, so uh, we appreciate you coming out. Does uh, Sonny and- get a last question, or, or does Sonny have a last question? No, I'm, I'm got, Chuck, finish it, man. Go ahead, Chuck, close <laughs> us up. Thank you for coming out and joining us. Hey, listen, continued success. Uh, congratulations on all your successes this year. And, of course, your engagement to the lovely Victoria. And uh, we wish you all the best and continued uh, good wishes from Sonny and I both and everybody here at the Big East Rewind. Thanks again for being such a good friend to the show, John. We appreciate you, man. Appreciate you guys. Love the Big East Rewind and can't wait. Until Thanks, we John. Again. I, ju- I just right. want to prepare. I want to prepare you for your next quantum leap after this episode. So <laughs> just, just hold right. on. Hold, and if hold Sonny and if Sonny down. needs any good dental hygienist, we know who to call. So that's, right. we'll, we'll that's perfect. That and and Sonny, I know you well. I'm going to send you my registry link uh, because I know I know you could uh, buy us some glasses or some plates or and then I'll have you for dinner with Chuck, of course. <laughs> I know right where you live, buddy. You've been listening to the Big East Rewind with Chuck Everson and Sonny Sparrow. The Big East Rewind is produced and directed by Nick Chico Chorus and Daryl Gurney. You can check us out on social media by putting in Big East Rewind. You can uh, hear us where you get all your uh, podcasts from. And also on YouTube, put Big East Rewind in the search bar, and we ask you to like, subscribe, and share it with your friends. Thanks a lot for joining us, as always, and have a great night.